Yeah, it's been fun since Josh and Emma and kids are staying with us. We've gotten to hear a lot more stories of all of the fun things happening in the village and um, gotten to see architectural renderings of what it will look like when the entire thing is built and hear stories about the farm they've started. I mean, they've got a farm with 11 employees just managing that, feeding the kids and providing um, ongoing income for the GEM Foundation. So it's, it's really some fun stuff. So make sure that you do stick around after service um, and find out some more about those, those stories when you go down into the courtyard. Well, this morning we are um, in our second week in this um, series in um, a prayer, a single prayer in the book of Ephesians. Um, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. Um, and we're just spending time each week looking, um, looking over this, this prayer. And our hope through this sermon series is that it would be something that would be um, an encouragement, something that would um, strengthen us and build us up together. As I um, was looking over the, the passage this week, um, one of the things that just kept coming to my mind was um, this idea that in our world, uh, we live in a world that seems like there's not enough, right? How many of us can relate to this idea that there's, there's not enough, like there's not enough time, uh, there's not enough resources, we don't have enough energy. Uh, we live in a world that seems to have a finite amount of, of resources, of, of, um, of money, a finite amount of possessions and mental energy. And if we give, we feel like we have less, right? The, the more we give out of ourselves, the less that we have. There never seems to be enough in our world, enough land, enough jobs, enough houses. Uh, there's not enough resources for schools, not enough social security for everyone who is aging, uh, not enough dating options for everyone who is single, not enough healthcare infrastructure. That's something that we're, we're realizing very much so the last couple of years. And so especially now in the age of COVID, um, we've really seen that there's not enough. Do you guys remember the, the first weeks and months of COVID where you couldn't find toilet paper anywhere, right? There was not enough toilet paper in our country for everyone who needed it. Remember we had one point, because um, there's a school here that rents from us and at the beginning of COVID, the kids were not here on campus and we had a large supply of you know, like industrial toilet paper for everyone that uses this campus. And so every time we were hearing of people, I can't find toilet paper. We're like, just come by the church. You know, we can give you, we can give you a big roll. It won't fit in your bathroom, but, <laughs> but we can get you some. There didn't seem to be enough toilet paper going to the grocery store. Remember there wasn't enough dried rice and beans and pasta, right? It was just gone everywhere. Uh, there, <laughs> And now, yeah, now we're in a place where there's not enough COVID tests. Um, we have access to vaccines here, but there are not enough vaccines uh, for developing countries and countries with less power. We have been acutely aware of the reality of lack and loss and not enough. And it's not just the, the physical scarcity that we see around us, but how many of us can agree that that we have felt the lack within ourselves, right? That, that for us, there's, 
there's not enough. We have this, this felt diminished mental capacity, right? Because we've spent two years um, feeling like there is, and the reality that there is imminent danger around us. And every decision that we make um, can be a decision that is, is life or death or filled with real implications for us, the people we love and the community around us. We have diminished physical abilities for many of us um, who have been ill or recovered from COVID. There's been diminished emotional capacity within us um, that, that just being on high alert for so long and dealing with so much loss um, has caused our emotions um, that we, we don't have enough emotional capacity for everything that we're facing. We have diminished relational capacity, diminished spiritual capacity. The last two years have been difficult, they've been costly, and it's like our reserves or our storehouses have all been depleted over the last couple of years. And I don't know about you, but I've noticed about myself that I have often felt like I'm in this place of needing to protect what little I have left, right? To protect what little emotional um, capacity I have left, protect what little relational capacity I have left. Um, and so we can get into this place where we're, we're preserving or we're pulling back from people or from situations because we just don't feel like we have enough in and of ourselves to deal with one more issue, one more need, one more conflict, or one more person relationship in our lives. It's like we're, we're acting like bears in the winter who are hibernating, right? Because they know there's not enough food out there to keep them alive through the winter. So they've got to hunker down and pull back and wait for winter to end. And I feel like for some of us, we're doing that. We're, we're hibernating because we don't know when all of this is gonna end and we don't feel like we have enough in us to make it through. And so if you today are feeling depleted, worn out, tired and weary, if you're in self-preservation mode, um, then I wanna say that this morning, this prayer in the book of Ephesians is for you. This prayer is for us, for a people who are worn out and weary. And so we're going to read uh, Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 14, and you can follow along on the screen. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who, may, who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we could ask or imagine. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations, 
forever and ever. Amen. So, Father God, we, we come before you this morning um, just sitting and, and soaking in these, these words, this prayer of the Apostle Paul. And God, we come before you as a people who are weak and weary and worn out. And God, we ask that we would know your power at work in us, strengthening us. That we would be a people who are filled with all the fullness of you. Lord, that we would know you providing for us. Lord, that we would know you accomplishing far more than anything we could even think to ask you for. So we thank you for your scripture. We thank you uh, for, for the fact that you speak to us and that you are with us. And we pray this morning that we would know you in a real and intimate way as you speak to us through your words. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this, this prayer, um, especially verses 14 uh, through 19, is actually one long run-on sentence. Uh, but as uh, we go through this sermon series, we're going to have to kind of parse out this run-on sentence, and we're just going to look at sections at a time. But with that, we're also going to be uh, kind of jumping back and forth and referring to different parts of the prayer, because you can't just uh, take one part of a sentence. Uh, but the reality is that this prayer, um, if, you, if you look at it, you can imagine it like a staircase. Um, and so the section that we're going to look at this morning is there at the bottom, and it's this request um, that Paul made that, that people would have power to be strengthened. And then later on in the, the passage in this prayer, uh, Paul prays for uh, the people to experience the depth of God's love and then to, to have a knowledge of, of an unknowable love the vastness of Christ's love for us that is beyond our comprehension, that we would have a knowledge of it. And then the prayer continues to go higher and higher, asking that we would be filled to the full of all that God is, that we, his people, his church, would be his dwelling place and that he would fill us up. And so this morning, we'll look at the, the bottom step of the stair, and in coming weeks, we'll kind of climb that ladder to the top and so this morning, um, we're looking at the, the section of the prayer that, that is asking God, through his power, to be at work in us so that an inner transformation would take place in us. An inner transformation so that Jesus Christ could take up temple residence within his people as together we learn to love. The the first um, kind of section of, of this, this sentence that we'll look at is this idea of the glorious riches that God has. According to the riches of his glory. See, in, um, in Athens, which um, there was, in Ephesus, excuse me, there was um, a temple. So the, the people who are receiving this letter, um, they would as part of their, their daily life in the city of Ephesus, um, they would see this temple regularly, uh, which is a temple to Artemis. Um, Artemis was a, a, a female deity um, that was, was powerful and revered and worshiped 
by many, and her temple was really extraordinary. Um, it was the largest marble uh, building of the time. It was a huge building, um, and it was one of the, the seven ancient wonders of the world. I mean, it was really a famous and well-known place that people from all over would come to worship Artemis. Um, and as they came, people who would, um, who would be on ships going about trade through the whole Asian region, um, people who were coming on caravans would all come through this port city of Ephesus. And as they're buying and selling and trading goods, um, there was need for some place for all their finances, um, their reserves of, of gold to be stored. And so this temple uh, became really the first banking system in the ancient world. And inside the temple, everyone would place their treasures to be protected by the, the highly trained guards and to be protected by Artemis uh, because thieves and robbers wouldn't want to come rob um, a, a sacred place because the, the goddess might, um, you know, might lash out in anger against them. So this temple that the Ephesian church would know well um, was a temple that was filled with riches, abundant riches. And Artemis dwelled here in the temple, surrounded by everyone else's riches. Paul's readers would have been so familiar with this temple and with this, it being an icon of power and riches and glory. And here in Paul's prayer, we hear echoes of this, this type of language and allusions here. Uh, we hear him speaking of a God who dwells in a temple. Earlier in, um, in chapter 2, Paul was talking about the, the mysterious wonder that God revealed, that he would build together a temple for himself out of a diverse group of believers who together would be formed into a temple for his presence to live in, to dwell in and among. And so as the Ephesian readers are hearing this prayer that Paul prayed for us to experience the abundant riches of, his, of God's wealth, they would be imagining a, a, a place of great wealth in their own city and realizing that as amazing and, and mighty and powerful and wealthy uh, that this place is, that the reality of what the God of the cosmos was doing, creating a new people and dwelling in them and pouring out to them from his abundant riches was far more than anything the world around them had to offer. A place where God dwells and inhabits his new people as he is empowering them with his glorious riches. Where he is going to give and grant to them out of his power. This is the same language that can be used for temple sacrifice, where people are giving of themselves to the gods, but here we see God out of his wealth giving to his followers and giving to his worshipers. You can go on to the, the next slide, Mike. It's, this is what's left of that mighty temple. There is one column remaining. That's it. 
out of all of the, the wealth and the might and the power that over the ages and the centuries, everything fell apart, right? The, the wealth is no longer there. But the reality of God and his abundant riches and wealth is one that doesn't fall apart or age or crumble. It doesn't diminish. But instead, it's, it's a power and a resource that remains. That according to God's power and riches, this is the, the prayer that Paul prays, that not, it's not out of God's power. It's not something that, that God would grant to us from his power as, as we would think of, of our finances, right? If we give to someone from our finances, our finances are depleted. But it's according to God's power and his riches in glory. That, that it's in the same measure that when God gives of his power and his riches, he's giving of himself. And he is a God who doesn't have lack. He's a God who isn't diminished when he gives, but he's a God of infiniteness. And so when Paul asks, when Paul prays for us to, to receive from according to God's riches in glory, it's to receive out of a wealth that doesn't run dry and doesn't end. A supply that doesn't diminish in proportion to the full measure of all that God is. The wealth and abundance of God was greater than that of the temple Artemis. God's abundance is on a totally different level than ours. The wealth of our world has nothing to compare to the wealth that God has to offer, the resources that God has to offer, his presence that he has to offer to us. Riches come and go, but God does not deplete. There's no risk of running out. His generosity towards us won't cause his capital to diminish. There's this beautiful story uh, that I read in a book by um, Pastor Eugene Peterson. And he tells a story of his friends, um, his friends Cheryl and Fred, who flew to Haiti to bring home their five-year-old daughter that they had adopted. Um, so little Addie had, um, had experienced the tragedy of her, both her parents dying in a, a traffic accident, um, and this couple was able to adopt her. And when they came home with her, uh, they had two teenage boys at home, and they sat down for their first meal together um, as a family of five. And little Addie, five-year-old Addie, was sitting there at the dining room table watching as her two new brothers um, were eating this dinner of pork chops and mashed potatoes. And the boys just kept eating and eating and getting seconds and thirds. Um, and the mom, Cheryl, started noticing that Addie was seeming to be um, upset and maybe a little scared. Her eyes were kind of getting bigger and she wasn't eating. And the mom realized that, that Addie probably had experienced a lot of lack in her life. Uh, that maybe in her family food wasn't something that was a given and a constant. Um, and so for her watching her teenage brothers eating and eating more and not saving anything for later probably caused her to think that maybe there's not going to be any food tomorrow. And so Cheryl got up and she took Addie's hand and she walked with her to the kitchen. 
And when she got to the kitchen, she opened up the refrigerator door and showed Addie all of the milk and juice and, and meat that was in the refrigerator. And then she opened up the freezer and showed her that there was even more in the freezer. And she walked her over to the pantry and showed her the loaves of bread that they had and all of the potatoes and onions um, and canned vegetables and fruits that were in the cupboard. And she got down on Addie's level and told her that there was going to be enough food for tomorrow. And there was enough food for her brothers and for her, that they didn't have to be in competition with one another for their parents' resources. She showed her the abundant richness of food that was there in her home. There is enough and you won't go hungry. And so this morning, don't just believe me when I tell you that in God there is an abundance of resources, but I encourage you to go before your Father and to open up the cupboards, to open up the refrigerator and look and explore and see all that God has to offer to his children, that there is enough for a people who feel worn out and depleted. There is enough for a people who know that there's not enough in us to make it through what we're facing, but that in God there is an abundance of wealth. And so it is true that it seems like we live in a world that is governed by scarcity, but what is even more true than that is we are part of the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God is one of abundance. The kingdom of God is one of abundance where there is enough for all. Just think about stories throughout scripture, like when God's people are wandering through the desert and they don't have a way to, to provide food for themselves. And so God provides manna from heaven to feed his people. And there was enough every day for the needs of the people. There wasn't enough, like Gandhi speaks of, enough for our needs, but not enough for our greed, right? There wasn't enough resources for the people to, um, to hold on to the manna for themselves, but there was enough for their daily needs. And the next day there would be enough, and the next day there would be enough. Think of Jesus feeding the 5,000, that there were just a little bit of fish and a little bit of bread but with Jesus there, there was an abundance to feed all the people that were present. And there were even baskets and baskets left over. The kingdom of God is one of abundance. And this isn't, this isn't the prosperity gospel that says you should pray and ask God for a Maserati and a $10,000 Rolex because he owns the cattle of a thousand hills and so he can give his kids, you know, all the wealth that their greedy hearts could desire. No, this, this is the kingdom of God that says that, that God provides for his creation, that God has beautifully provided for all that he has made and there is enough in him for our needs. There is enough in him to provide for all of us out of the abundance 
of Jesus Christ according to the riches of all God's wealth. And so sure, we don't have enough in and of ourselves, enough to share, enough to give, enough to extend. We don't have enough to thrive ourselves, but God has an abundance that he longs to give out of himself to us this morning. Power to be strengthened through his spirit, to be strengthened in our inner being with the power through his spirit. God is granting power to strengthen our inner selves. And for some of us, that might be enough to hear this morning, right? That, that, that is enough to hear that God is longing to strengthen us in the inner places that feel weak and depleted. And maybe for some of us, we could say amen and just go home, right? That in and of itself is good news. That the God of creation is looking at us this morning and saying, I want to give from myself to strengthen you in your inner places. Power to be strengthened like a moon that is waxing large and not one that is fading away or fainting. That according to God's power, he's going to pour himself out to us so that we could be built up in the places that we feel like we're being depleted. The strained and broken relationships, the parenting challenges, the mental health issues, the, the repercussions of COVID, financial issues, sins that we keep going back to time and time again and can't seem to break free of, so much in our lives that causes us to feel faint, causes us to not be strong. But God, according to his abundant power, his abundant wealth, is giving of himself, out of his glory, out of his own presence, available to strengthen us with his power. Not our power, but his power. We've tried our own power that says, try harder, that says, strategize, research more, stay awake at night thinking of all of the ways out of your power and strength you can fix the situation. We've tried our intellect, we've tried our instincts, we've tried doing more, working harder, we've tried controlling situations, we've tried power and force, We've tried bringing all that we are to bear on the circumstances around us. And we still have been left feeling weak and insufficient to the task that's before us. But this power is not our power. This is the power of God. The power that created the universe around us. An ever-expanding universe that we can't even keep up with its growth. This is the power of our God, to be able to create and keep creating and to sustain it. The power of God to create the vastness of space, the beauty of nature around us. The power of God to form the intricacies of the human body. The power of God to to form the microscopic and the sub-microscopic world around us. This is the power of God 
that is offered as a resource for his people. The power of God that, that rules and reigns over the nations and the rulers of this world. In the Psalms, we get, we get Psalms of God laughing at the rulers and the nations because they think they're so powerful. But the reality is that God is so far and, and above all of these nations. The power of God that is in, that shows itself at work in the spiritual realm around us, a power that is greater than any spiritual forces of this world. Power of God that was at work in Jesus Christ, resurrecting him. The power that is stronger than death and the grave. Out of Ephesians chapter 1, we hear Paul say that he's praying for the eyes of our hearts to be enlightened, so that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe, according to the working of his great power. God put this power at work in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also the age to come. He has put everything under his feet. This is the power that is available to strengthen us in our inner being. A power that is vaster and greater than anything we could imagine. It is at work in us, strengthening us, renewing us, transforming our inner being. The, the place that God, that God dwells and operates in, the, the influence, the realm of his influence over our lives, in our inner being. This is the power that Paul is praying for. Not for our outer circumstances to be changed, not for us to be able to accomplish even good things for God, but he prays for God's power to be displayed in our lives for a work that happens in our inner being. The location of much of God's work in our lives and in the world is in us. It's, it's a work that's in us more than it is a work for us. The Bible teacher Beth Moore speaks of, um, when she's talking about this passage, she says that the greatest miracle, miracle of all continues to be a changed life. A changed life is still what affects people and testifies to the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. We are people who are all about what God can do for us, and he does do a lot for us. But he also wants to do a good work in us. God wants to do a good work in us so that he can work through us to do and display his goodness to the world. The important thing is who we are becoming, not just what we're doing or accomplishing for God. And so that's why Paul prays that God's power would be at work in us. I'm sure there were a lot of circumstances for the Ephesian believers that Paul could be praying for. 
And I'm not saying that we shouldn't pray for external circumstances. There's a lot going on in the world that God's people need to be interceding for and on behalf of. There are things around us that we should and can come to the Father for. But, but we need to remember that more than anything God could do for us, we want to be seeking him doing a work in us, a deep work in us, because we were meant to be a people who indwell the spirit of God, that, that in us his spirit would reside and that his spirit would change and transform us. That we wouldn't be the same people we were when we first met Jesus. But this, this inner work that he would want to do in us would be an ongoing, continual work of transformation. That he would give us a new heart, a one that is of flesh and not of stone. Placing his spirit in us so that we can walk according to his ways, his will, his purposes. Not our will, our intellect, not our passions and feelings and instincts. These are all tools to be given to God so that he would be the one who is ruling and reigning in our lives as we humbly submit ourselves to him and his will. He is about a work of transformation in us, strengthening the weak places fortifying us, empowering us, enabling us. Where we feel unable, the power of God would come and work in us so that Christ may dwell in our hearts. He wants to do a work in us of inner transformation so that Christ would fully dwell in us. Like the, the first temple that was built for God by his people. And when the prayer of dedication happened, the radiant glory of God descended on this temple and dwelt with his people. And that that would be the same thing that would happen in God's people today, that as his temple dwelling place, Christ Jesus would come and fully take up residence in us to settle down and make himself at home. Jesus lived a, a full human life on earth. And he continues to live in bodily form through his church. That we now together are the body of Christ. And that as his people, the fullness of God would dwell in us. I had a professor who um, once said when he was teaching on this passage... He asked, is it possible for Jesus to be in the home but not at home in our hearts? And I think that's, that's one of the things that, that Paul is praying for here. Not just that we would be content with the fact that 30 years ago or 10 years ago or 5 years ago, we responded and gave our lives to Christ and he came into us but that we would be a people who would long to have Christ dwell in us, to settle in and make himself at home. Christ is at home in us when our lives are fully surrendered to his will and to the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. 
that, that as we work and walk in partnership with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, that our lives will be a reflection of God's purposes in the world around us, that this is where Christ would feel at home in us, not only individually, but as a church. That we wouldn't be a people who would fight against what Jesus wants to do in our lives, but instead we would allow him to be himself in us. It's like people in a three-legged race, right, who have their legs tied together, and if one wants to go to the right and one wants to go to the left, there's going to be a struggle there. And I know that that, kind of that analogy is a pretty good reflection of my walk with Jesus often, right? That, that Jesus has a, a way that he wants to walk and move in my life, and I have a way that I want to walk and move. And so I struggle and fight against Jesus settling in and dwelling in my life. But instead of that struggle, that we would be a people who would surrender ourselves fully to him, that we would walk with him and allow him to walk in and through us. So that we would be so filled with God instead of filled with other things. Instead of being filled with our own will and our own desires, we would submit those over to Jesus. So that God would dwell fully in us, transforming us from the inside out. This is the power, this is the transformation, this is the good news that God offers to us. For a people who are worn out and weary, a people who have tried to muscle through and make it on our own, that we can receive the power of God to strengthen us out of all of the abundance that God has to offer us of himself. And that he wants to do that and partner with us through our faith. His power and our faith working hand in hand as he inhabits his people. And next week we're going to be able to, to look at the next part of, of this passage that, that talks about being rooted and grounded in love. Because this is the measure of maturity. This is how we know we're growing in the Lord, is that we're, we're a people who are becoming more loving. That as his power is at work transforming and strengthening our inner being, we are becoming a people who love. And we are becoming a people who experience the abundance love that God has to offer us. I'm going to invite Nathan and the worship team to, to join me up here on the stage. This morning, if you, like me, have felt worn out and weary, if you have been experiencing what lack looks like in your life, and you've been trying to just muscle through and make it, or maybe you've been doing the retreating, climbing into your cave, hunkering down, waiting for everything to blow over. This word is for you. This, this is for us this morning. God wants to grant you out of the abundant riches of his glory, power to be strengthened so that Christ would fully dwell in us 
not only individually, but as a people, God's people across the globe, that he would inhabit us and fill us. And that through that filling, he's going to accomplish more than we could ask or imagine. That his will and purposes are going to be seen in the world around us. So this morning, if you're in agreement with that prayer, would you just put your hands out before the Lord? Uh, a posture of, of receiving from him. And in your own words this morning, would you speak to God about the, the places of lack that are in your life? The, the places that need to be strengthened and shored up? And would you experience his spirit coming upon you this morning, giving you all that you need? Spirit, we are a people in need, but we come, we come to you this morning not based in our need, but based in you and your abundance. We come before you this morning and we seek your power at work in our lives because we know there is an abundance there. We know and we can testify to the power of God at work in the universe and the power of God at work in our lives. And this morning we come and we ask that you would fill us anew this morning, that you would fill up the empty spaces, that you would strengthen the weak places, that we would know and experience Christ dwelling in us fully, settling down, taking up residence, being at home in us. And God, that we would be able to this week to partner with you in faith, in the things that you're wanting to do in and through our lives, that we would be willing partners instead of struggling partners, willing partners, in all the goodness that you have for the world around us. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, church, if you're able, would you stand with me as we continue uh, to worship God in song? Um, and again, Nathan, thank you so much for coming on short notice. Thank to you for having us. me. Yeah, we're really thankful for that.